everybody, and thank you for listening to the You Thought Podcast. My name is Lucas, and I'm joined by the best hosts in Sports Talk Podcasts, Wyatt, Aiden, Bart, and Jared. We've got a great show today. We'll be talking about how we'd score LeBron's future inevitable version of The Last Dance. We'll be cashing or trashing takes from the Bundesliga. But first, it's time to enter the people's court. So, the NBA has floated many ideas about possibly returning their season using what's called a bubble model, where they will fly all their players to either Disney or Vegas and play out the remainder of the season in isolation. Families may be allowed to join, but there are concerns about having older coaches, older older coaches, or older older family members coming to join, and about how this would impact testing capacity. So we'll have two sides. The affirmative side, consisting of Jared and Wyatt, who, while I've been speaking, have put on dress shirts and ties. Um, they'll be speaking in favor of the plan, and the negative side, arguing against it, will be made up of Aiden and Bart. They will get two minutes for an opening statement and two minutes for a rebuttal, and then I will decide at the end as your presiding judge. So we'll start with the affirmative. Wyatt, Jared, Tell us why we should follow this model for opening the NBA again. Uh, Your Honor, we believe that the NBA has put together a plan that will bring a return to the highly anticipated basketball season. Playing the remaining games in Disney World will allow the league and its players to regain lost revenue, compete for a championship, and continue to play the game of basketball we all know and love. Implementing test structures similar to Vietnam and South Korea coupled with an infrastructure at Disney World will provide a safe return to sports. The players share league revenue and the league will lose over $1 billion. Cancel games mean players return 1.1% of earnings per game lost. We rest our case. All right. Thank you for your opening statement. Uh, Negative side, you may now present your opening statement as well. Uh, th- that wasn't even close to two minutes, right? Am I going crazy? No, but that's pretty embarrassing. Concise. Wow. They got their point that's, across. Yeah, if you want, did we change something? Yeah, yeah Your okay. Honor, if you want to make your decision now, that's that's okay. Yeah, if you want to. I'll lay off for now, but just know that I have heard their point. I thought it was concise and well made, and now I turn it over to you. All right. Well, uh, obviously there are there there are some question marks, and it seems like fundamentally the biggest uh, argument against doing some sort of bubble format is just that there are too many unknowns right now. Consider, for example, like you mentioned, Lucas, the testing. Uh, experts suggest that you need to have tests every day, but right now there aren't really even enough tests going around for the general populace. Does the NBA really want to have that bad of a look that they would acquire all the tests that they need for this to be functional, knowing that regular people aren't even getting their fair share? seems suspect. Secondly, what will the NBA actually do if a player does test positive? It seems like you'd have to be very naive to expect that not a single player, or even you could really say personnel member, would test positive at some point. And then what do you do? Do you just take players out one by one? Well, that that doesn't seem ideal. But if you let people keep playing, obviously that there might just be an explosion of cases overall, which also doesn't seem ideal. So without the tests, you can't really you can't really make anything happen. And even with the tests, there there will be consequences, most likely when people start getting sick. Um, also consider the fact that covid rates aren't even decreasing yet in the United States, at least. Um, that seems it seems very uh, irresponsible to try to force this to happen too quickly. Um, but the NBA can't wait too long. Right. Because the further the season gets pushed back, 
the further next season has to get get pushed back too. You you need to have an end of a season to determine the draft order, for example. You need to have free agency. At some point, it will just be too late unless the league massively overhauls its schedule for the next season too. Um, but again, it's just a lot of unknowns. Does the NBA really want to do that? Uh, it just seems like a really big hassle. And lastly, consider just the, the players need to agree, right? And their family members need to agree because the players aren't going to want to move into a bubble alone, but their family members might not want to come either. And so there might not really be any way to satisfy everybody in, in a scenario like this. Some people are going to want to do it. Some people aren't going to want to do it. But obviously the league and the players all need to agree on some sort of consensus. It doesn't seem like that's necessarily going to happen. Uh, just too many question marks and too many difficulties. So that's our opening statement. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Bart. Um, the affirmative side consisting of Jared and Wyatt, you have two minutes to respond to those points that Bart just made. Your time begins now. Also, two minutes is just a guideline. They went over, so do really whatever. <laughs> uh, I'll start by responding to the optics um, of the situation. I would re- use the UFC as a rebuttal that honestly the UFC has basically faced very minimal backlash if any, um, by most accounts, it was pretty successful. Uh, in terms of optics, if we want to look at uh, like Vietnam that uses their rep- oppressive um, powers to contain the virus, and they're being praised for that. Um, so I, I think w- when you look at optics, if it works well, I don't know. I don't know if that's really going to be that big of a consideration. Um, it, it, I think this bubble. So South Korea, for example, has returned back to sports, um, and their their players aren't even sequestered. They after the game they can do whatever they want. They just have a lot of testing. Yes, their their cases are smaller. Uh, their case number is smaller. But as time goes on, theoretically, uh, cases in the U.S. should also be decreasing because this isn't starting tomorrow, right? This is starting uh, in a little bit. Um, those are a couple points I wanted to bring up. Wyatt, do you have anything? I uh, do want to bring up about a player inside the bubble possibly getting uh, sick. They the this this plan does kind of hinder on whether the NBA has quick testing, which is a real possibility. They could do, get quick, quick testing. They could get results within the first 24 hours, and then there would be breaks in between game structures or game, game times, one to two days. So that way, if a player were to get sick, let's say on the Lakers, and they were to happen to play the Milwaukee Bucks, they would have time in between to isolate that one player and those people that he came in contact with to prevent a mass spread in the NBA and through the Disney world bubble. Mm -hmm. And especially real quick on, if we're looking at revenue, they're really trying to get to the 70 games to fulfill their regional TV contracts where they really get a lot more uh, revenue coming in. Most teams are only like seven games away from that. So even if it works for a week, you're, you're still gaining a lot of money out of it. Um, And yeah, we'll rest our case for now. All right. Thank you, Jared. We'll turn it over to Aiden for his last two minutes and his rebuttal. Okay, let's go. Um, so starting with the optics. So you mentioned the UFC is so far, you know, like they've had a successful return or they've seen minimal backlash. And that's because they're the UFC and everyone knows that Dana White is crazy <laughs> and is going to do what he wants. They've already had one fighter had coronavirus, right, and had to pull out. Uh, I feel like it would have been a mess for like an actually one of the the big four leagues uh, to do something similar to that. It's something only I feel like the UFC could pull off at the moment. In terms of the this relying on quick testing, 
argument, it, that brings us back to the point that do we want to really be spending our testing here? I understand that the, the NBA is concerned about making its money and reaching its 70 game marks, but like, does that really matter at the moment? Like, does these millionaires making, you know, more millions like matter more than these tests going to people who are actually high risk and need these at the moment. Not to mention that an NBA game isn't just 10 guys on a court, right? It's going to take like so much staff from from Disney, from the teams, a lot of which is probably like there are plenty of older coaches, older staff, I'm sure, who are high risk and are going to feel obligated to participate in this just because, you know, it's it's their job and they're back. It does not seem like a good idea to me in that context, especially when as soon as there's another Rudy Gobert, as soon as there's, you know, one more case that happens, I feel like it's it's going to get shut down again. That's what happened the first time. Uh, and I, I don't really see a case where someone on the Lakers gets it. They have a, a game the next day and like the the Lakers are able to play in the next two or three weeks. Like it, it does not seem like a, a logical standpoint. And I feel like it's just going to hit rough patches and the nba is gonna gonna face consequences in the in the you know um courtroom of of public opinion based on that i rest my case bart and i rest our case your honor (laughs) (laughs) thank you aiden but we understand Um, if you're if the ties sway you because they've they've kind of swayed me (laughs) no i mean the ties are good um thank you to both sides for presenting their arguments in this week's people's court i will take some time i'll think about it and at the end of the episode, I'll get back to everybody um, with an answer. But with that, Jared, we'll pass it on to our next segment. So we'll be transitioning into our short story um, section, as we have on every episode. Um, kind of branching off the UFC event, I'm going to talk about the sounds of a sporting event without fans and like kind of general sports fan literacy. I think you heard a lot of people um, on Twitter were commenting on how brutal the punches sounded because you can hear everything because there's no fans to drown out everything you could hear the you could hear um heavy breathing from the the fighters um so, and even two fighters said they adjusted their strategy when they heard daniel cormier who was one of the commentators give them some feedback they adjusted their strategy and ended up winning the fight which i think is pretty funny um so i wanted to like just talk about some implications of like the sound of a fanless sports game um so they were talking about, like, I saw the Sporting News article by Dan Bernstein that was saying maybe, like, in the 2016 Warriors-Cavs Game 7 game, maybe Andre Iguodala hears LeBron chasing him down for the block and doesn't go up for that shot, and then that play never happens. Maybe, and this is me, maybe Notre Dame doesn't false start 50 times against Georgia <laughs> in that game. You know what I mean? In the game last year. Um, uh, I, I read another article um, on the Medium by David Will that said quality of play may appear to be diminished even if it is, if it is still 100%. For example, people might think that because there's no fans there that they're watching a practice. Like, it'll feel that way. Like, even though you know you're watching a, a real game, it'll feel like that way. And even though the, the players are still getting 100% and stuff. Um, so which sports do you think do I think will lose the most appeal? Let's say in a perfect world, uh, all these sports are played without sports mm-hmm. fans. MLB is the most insulated from that, I think, because the games are just quieter. I know a lot of the um, players are like, oh, man, we hate playing without the fans. It drains, drains so much energy. But I think at the end of the day, they're all professionals, um, and they're all ultimate competitors, and that's ultimately what's driving them. NFL, will, I think, would really not benefit from having uh, no sports fans in terms of the environment. Like Home field advantage would be completely neutralized. 
you'd have to be very secretive on like your plays and all that stuff so that because people can hear a lot better without the fans drowning them out <laughs> um i think nba would be a much less exciting but nba has a um benefit more than the other sports of playing in in-game music to kind of keep the game going along uh, i think that will help them out It'll be interesting to see because you'll be able to hear players talking to each other and probably like swearing a lot. Maybe I don't know if they, <laughs> they have a way to like counter that. But like you you'll, you'll get delayed a little bit. Yeah, you'll get like a more uncensored look at your favorite players, and it, it'll be like I'm sure LeBron like swears a lot during games, but it'll be weird to hear him like dropping f bombs or something like that during a game. Might be a little weird to hear. You know what I mean? Uh, real quick too, just a couple other things. I think that if they broadcast the games without fans, the broadcast will pump in artificial fan noise, not the stadium. Um, I think that would happen. Um, and what? 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 Uh, I want to respond real quick. First of sure. all, golf would be the best beneficiary because they already <laughs> talk in whispers. Yeah. Two. True. Um, and, and every NFL stadium will be Roger Goodell uh, against a big screen of all those fans like they did in the NFL draft <laughs> yeah. of them, of him hyping them up. I'd be like, oh, come on, get louder. That's it would be Roger Goodell. And then in basketball, they have the benefit of squeaky shoes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't know. True. I don't really, I don't really <laughs> like true. that, though. I don't like listening to that necessarily. But, yeah, yeah But that's you. true. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I also – some people are, are speculating if this will actually be a really big ratings hit or not because it's going to be less accessible to non-sports fans because you don't have the communal reactions and cues on how you're supposed to feel about certain events if you're not used to watching sports because us as sports fans kind of have literacy in watching sports and we know how to feel about certain things i thought was another interesting point so it could be uh akin to watching the big bang theory without a laugh track (laughs) (laughs) who knows who knows what it could be like i I just wanted to like kind of throw out some of those considerations that i was thinking about yeah those are a lot of very interesting things to think about some good points. Yeah, I never thought about the the idea of artificial crowd noise, but you're right that they'd probably do it to to help the deafening silence. I'd really, I hope that they just turn up the sound of the squeaks so that they're just like deafeningly <laughs> loud. It's like, it's like surround sound. This is what it yeah, sounds like, like to I, be an NBA player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always figured like smart teams, I would think like pump noise in during practices anyway to simulate that. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I would think they could just do the same thing for games, but maybe they yeah. don't do that. And so it will just literally feel like a practice. Well, well the, the Atlanta Falcons got uh, in trouble for that for pumping in artificial fan noise. So. Oh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a couple of years ago. I can't remember. Because they don't have, yeah. Because <laughs> they don't have enough fans, I guess. <laughs> I was going to be like, yeah, like the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be fine. Like, it'll just be like <laughs> yeah. one of their normal games. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've seen Onion articles about, yeah, like the going to a Miami Marlins game is just like, is the safest form of social distancing that you can do. Like. <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, okay. Uh, for... I'm next up for the the short story. I'm going to be talking about uh, an MLB coronavirus study that uh, ESPN was was showing the last couple of days, which was uh, kind of random. Uh, so anyway, for for a summary of the study, for those who haven't heard about it, um, it was a study of 5,700 MLB employees, players, staff, etc., um, for the presence of COVID-19 antibodies, and. Uh, it was carried out by USC and Stanford, so two uh, respected academic institutions. Um, and not football teams. Yeah, not, not football teams. Oh, never, like never football teams. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, and the goal was to determine the extent of the coronavirus pandemic in large metropolitan areas. That was stated as the goal of this test. 
Um, it was not intended to have any bearing on the MLB's return, which was my first thought when I saw this was, oh, they're doing this to figure out if they can return. Um, it's supposed to not. Anyway, the, the good news here is that 0.7% of subjects had a positive test rate, which was lower than the rate found in any other study. Um, quote, one of the doctors from USC or Stanford, um, I was expecting a larger number. It shows the value of doing the science as opposed to guessing, um, which sounds like someone pretending to be a doctor, but will allow it. Uh, and and of those 0.7%, only 70% 70 of those were were asymptotic. So that's, that's all good. Good for the MLB. The bad news, like, why the heck did we do this in the words of jared um the the test participants were 60 percent male 80 percent white not at all representative of any metropolitan population the vast majority are white collar workers they're all they're not just they're not like stadium workers either they're like people who work for these teams they're not involved in working for essential services they obviously would not have uh they'd have a much lower risk of infection from the the common person in a metropolitan population um it makes zero sense to me that they spent they sent out 10,000 antibody tests for this that they would like even do this study because obviously these you know workers who haven't actually been probably leaving their house the past three or four months um like obviously they have lower rate of infections it doesn't seem like any good start to figuring out how the general populace is doing um so i'm not sure why this study happened in the first place or how it will be useful in the future but anyway rant over um, I thought I was saying an interesting They'll thing. They'll teach you in AP SPM. statistics courses on how not exactly. to conduct a study. Exactly. It was just like, I just, I do not understand. But anyway, um, <laughs> leading into our next segment. So Lucas mentioned at, at the top of the show uh, that LeBron will obviously at some point have a, a Last Dance-esque documentary series or, or something of the sort. Um, and one thing about the current, about MJ's series is that the soundtrack really does slap. Um, and so we wanted to figure out what the soundtrack would look like for a LeBron documentary. And so the, the basic rules here are that most of the, the songs in MJ's doc series are like from plus or minus a year uh, of when the event that they're showing occurred. Uh, so the rule here is that for we're going to go through some milestones in LeBron's career and pick out a song from around that time. Uh, that could could line up with it and could be used in in LeBron's future future series. So Wyatt, uh, you're gonna start off with what is the song to match LeBron being drafted and lighting up his first NBA season? So I I had to really go through some deep research here to kind of put together a good one. I uh, just quick quick side note. You know I forgot how good. Don't forget, I was like six years old in 2003, but uh, how good LeBron was his rookie year uh, in the season. I think in his first game, he averaged like 20, 25 points or something like that. But I went and I listened to some music and I went through the tracks and I ended up landing on The Way You Move by Outkast, right? 2003, which is, of course, LeBron James' rookie year. I think it's a good song um, strictly for because of the opening, I think the opening is incredibly cold. Uh, it's a great open. Um, can't go wrong with a little outcast in a in a 03 highlight reel, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All, that, all, the, all the the outcast course, is yeah. The chorus is perfect for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus, I mean, he was he was kind of this new age player, second coming of of Magic Johnson, but of course better. 
Yeah. So I think I think it works well. Yeah, I agree. One thing too I noticed when I was going through these songs is how early two thousand, even two thousand seven, sounded so much more like the nineties than it does today. It's it's it was crazy. I, I that's what I felt like at least. Um. Anyway, so so the one the moment I was given, I had to do some research on this because I wasn't a basketball fan. I wasn't paying attention to basketball in two thousand seven, or music. I guess really in two thousand seven. Uh, it was LeBron leading the Cavaliers to the NBA Finals. And when I was researching, I was like, oh, cool, he went to the Finals. But then I saw he got swept by the Spurs. So I couldn't pick a song that was too triumphant because he did do really well but didn't, like, put uh, cap it off, I guess. So I went with a song called Superstar by Lupe Fiasco featuring Matthew Santos. I wasn't Classic. familiar with it beforehand, but, I yeah, it was a popular song that year. I, I think the second half of the song's hook is, like, perfect for this. Is, is if you are what you say you are a superstar then have no fear the crowd is here and the lights are on and they want a show and so i think it fits with the arc of lebron's like really awesome superhuman efforts in the eastern conference playoffs um but also his i can hear the song on somebody's somebody's side <laughs> whoever that was anyway the, um, so it, the song fits with the arc of LeBron's like really superhuman efforts in the Eastern Conference playoffs, but also can like follow with his inability to put up a fight against the Spurs in the finals. Um, it's upbeat enough, but to go with the lyrics, but not too triumphant. So I imagine it would begin um, like right before the highlights of Game Five of the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Pistons. They were down 0-2 in that series, and Game Five it was 2-2, right? Um, so LeBron scored 29 of the Cavs' last 30 points in that game, and all 25 of their final points, all of their last mm. 25 points were him. Double overtime game, he had 48 points. It was basically the dagger in the series. But then when you show the finals highlights, the chorus, like if you're saying you're a superstar, is kind of like mocking him, which is mirroring the criticism he received because he really did not have a good series. His field goal percentage was 35%. <laughs> he only had 14 points in game one, missed a game time shot in game three. Um, but because it's a LeBron, LeBron documentary, documentary, and they're going to be friendly to him, they're going to be. But but he was only 22, and he was he was only the fourth highest paid guy on the team. It was the first finals for every player, but one as well on the Cavs, which I thought was interesting. Um, anyway, Real, that, I, I, I really like that one. I didn't look that deep into the lyrics. I thought that the lyrics <laughs> were kind of a plus for me as far as. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I, I just really wanted to get into it, though. For I don't know why. No, hey, you go to school and you get a you get a film major. I expect you to, to kind of look <laughs> deeper into into the meanings of things. I thought that the beat for the way you move was was great for some like B roll of LeBron James getting yeah. drafted and and walking across. I thought that that would have worked, but the, I mean, the the rest of it goes well. But anyway, yeah. yeah, like I didn't want a song that had some songs I liked, but they had they were either too triumphant. They were too much about like clubbing or love, too much really oh, distract. Yeah. Some of them had like really distracting swearing, and I was like, I can't put, I couldn't put that in there, even if it was clean or not, you know. A lot of love Honor- songs. There were a lot of love across. songs. Honorable mentions because I know Aiden and Lucas were probably thinking of this one: "Paper Planes" by MIA, SOS, Jonas mm. Brothers, lots of mm. Justin Timberlake, uh, Beyonce and Rihanna as well that year, mm. Soldier Boy. Um, oh, seven was a good year for music. 
Kiss yeah, Me Through were, the Phone they were feels all like, like the best fit for, for all of this, but you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 I wanted to get Justin Timberlake in there, but anyway, I went way over my time. I went way over my time, so I'm going to hand it off to Lucas for the next. That's okay. I think, honestly, my biggest takeaway from all that um, was that he, LeBron was the fourth highest played player on that team, which is a ridiculous <laughs> stat to me, because that team is known as like historically bad, yeah. and the fact that like... I don't know, Zildrunas Elgowskis yeah. or Anderson Verjao or Larry Hughes was, like, making more than LeBron is kind of baffling. Yeah. But and, and he was only 22. Is, like, so he was, he was really young at the time. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's like our age. Yeah. Which is nuts. But anyway, well, I guess just my age now. Everybody else here is <laughs> three. Embarrassing. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the part of LeBron's career I was given was him – winning his first title with Miami and sort of assembling the big three. Um, so I went with a song from an album called Watch the Throne because he sort of, you know, took on the mantle of King James. And I went with Otis by Kanye West and Jay-Z uh, from 2011. He won his first title in 2012, so it fits within the plus minus of one year. Um, so I don't know. I think I, you can just picture it well, like LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh walking up to the court with that Otis Redding sample in the beginning. And then you just see all the highlights coming in after that. When LeBron got his first title, it sort of took that sort of monkey off his back. Like, he could play more free and fun. And I think this song has a lot of that sort of free and fun energy to it. Like, the Jay-Z starting with, like, I've got my swagger back. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, him sort of winning the finals after losing to the Mavs in 2011. And I also just want to see that iconic image of LeBron dunking with D-Wade, his arms <laughs> in front of him. Set to the line, <laughs> photo shoot fresh, looking like wealth. I'm about to pull the, call the paparazzi on myself. Delivered exactly <laughs> like Jay Z there, but I think there are a lot of things about that song <laughs> that just fit perfectly with that time and LeBron sort of like starting his reign and him becoming the best player in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah in the uh, Otis video, it's like it's Jay Z, Kanye, and then Aziz Ansari just like stunting on people. And so what? in my mind, in my mind, it's okay. Jay Z is Jay Z and Kanye are either like there's some combination of D Wade and LeBron. I don't know which one is which. And then Chris Bosh is Aziz, just kind of like stunting <laughs> in the background doing whatever. That's so um, funny. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing too I liked about it is the very first like lines from the sample of like it's so easy because mm-hmm. it was really easy mm. for them because they're, like, they're just like this dominant That's team. A really yeah, they were just like, at least the next team put together. Yeah. At least oh, the yeah. second year, right? Yeah, true, true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm, I'm next up with when LeBron returned to Cleveland and, and won a title for his hometown. Uh, the song I'm picking for it is Freedom by Beyonce uh, with a feature from Kendrick Lamar. Uh, and it was released just two months before LeBron's triumphant victory. Um, first off, it's a an incredibly triumphant sounding song fit for a, a championship montage. Um, and the, the song is about freedom in a lot of different senses. Um, a lot of them more significant and serious than the, the freedom LeBron was going after. Um, but it still 100% rings true. LeBron after that, like, seemed like he had a weight lifted off of him, like quite literally. Uh, like before then, he was always going to receive criticism from his hometown um, and from his detractors saying he never won it for his hometown. Um, and after that, it just seemed like LeBron could do whatever he wanted to do. He felt like he could, like, he just seemed so, so much more easygoing, to be honest. Um, and some of the lyrics in it, I break chains all by myself, like LeBron just can carry a team and, and kind of did in that uh, that championship, as well as because a winner don't quit on themselves. And because it kind of seemed like LeBron at some points was, was just not going to have this happen, but he didn't quit. And he officially 
took his hometown team uh, to the finals and, and won a championship. And that was, yeah, after that, before and after that, like those are two different LeBrons in my mind in terms of just demeanor. He, he drinks a lot more wine, though. Honestly, though, <laughs> like, I feel like... Taco Tuesdays. He's, exactly. Like... He's a chilled-out LeBron now. He's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Oh, God. Um, and so I was tasked with, with rounding out the five moments here. So I'll, I'm paying a song with LeBron's career rebirth that he had slash is having this season. Um, we'll see if it ever ends. But so I, I, I was, I, I had some trouble with this one. I'll admit, I, I also did research, um, and I, I really tried to find a song. I didn't want to have to go the route that I went. I tried to find a song first that was, you know, really bumping and all about like just being a champion and being the best or whatever. I just couldn't find anything that that really satisfied me. So I ended up going with "Bored in the House" by Tyga, um, and so. It's like I think I mean it makes sense. I, I it does seem more and more likely that like the the lasting image that we'll have of this season is not of any of the actual basketball moments, but just of the fact that it was completely um, interrupted and maybe will never end because of COVID, right? And so Tyga literally he, he released a song late March, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's literally just about what he does uh, while he's bored in the house and just hanging out. And so I was like, okay, I guess that's kind of fitting. Cause like that's LeBron. You can tell wants the season to come back. You can tell that he's upset with, with having to just hang out and not doing anything. And I think that's, that's really like the, the thing that we're going to remember about this 2019, 2020 season anyway. Um, especially seeing how it seems more and more likely that it won't even finish. And like the song itself isn't even that good. It's kind of forgettable, <laughs> but like, I think it, it makes sense because this season is also going to be kind of forgettable at the end of the day. So I, I admittedly did not look into the lyrics as deeply as some of you guys did, but for me, for me, this this felt like the right decision at, at the end. So Bart, Bart, yeah. you're telling me that you didn't read, you know, closely into the line. Tell her pull up, make it shake like Nesquik. I, I feel like that was a lot of. <laughs> um, wait, but you mean you mean the line? Okay, I'm bored in the house, and I'm in the house bored. Doesn't yeah. speak to you. <laughs> I love nice. it. Anyways, so that's that's that segment. Now we will move into our final segment of the day, Cash or Trash. The five of us will be taking a look at the Bundesliga return and making some predictions. So obviously, as most of you probably know, the German Bundesliga will be one of the first major sports leagues in the world to return. And to celebrate that, we're just going to look over some of the things, some of the hot headlines that might be relevant. So first of all, Lucas and I... Let's let's talk, Lucas. Erling Holland will outscore Robert Lewandowski over the last nine games. Cash or trash? I'm going cold hard cash on this one. Wow. So, for a little context, uh, the Norwegian striker Erling Holland, um, he's pretty young. He's born in the year 2000, so he is not even 20 yet. I don't think, which kind of freaks me out. But um, he's kind of set the world on fire since moving to Dortmund from an Austrian team, Red Bull Salzburg. Um, halfway through the season, he scored nine goals in his first eight games um, with Dortmund in the Bundesliga and two goals in as many games in the Champions League. Um, he just sort, sort of caught on fire when he joined Dortmund. And he might just be a one-season wonder, but for the season being, I think he has it. Um, while Lewandowski was scoring at a similar chip to Holland this season, he had 25 and 23, which is about, again, slightly one more than goal per game, just like Holland. He's coming off an injury. 
Um, he had a fractured left tibia, so I don't think he'll be fully back to his normal goal scoring, scoring standards. So that's why I'm taking Holland outscoring Lewandowski on this one. So Bart, what are your thoughts? I mean, okay, obviously I'm, I'm biased. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm a pole. And so, I mean, my answer is Robert Lewandowski. I do think you make good points, but I, I would say like my argument against Holland would be that he was such like a immediate, um, like out of nowhere kind of flash in the pan, if you will. And I, I, Worry that like now that defenses and teams will have had time to analyze Borussia's offense a little more. I think people will be able to hone in on him more. Whereas Lewandowski, we know is the gold standard. I know he's coming off of an injury, but I still think like he he's just proven to be unstoppable like over many seasons. And I uh, I don't think that people are going to necessarily have found any new way to stop him now. If anything will limit him, it'll be the injury, but I don't think so. So I, I'm going to trash that. Okay, I think those are good points. And you might have convinced me, honestly. But moving on, uh, we're going to um, the the topic of who is going to win the league this year. So, Aiden, cash or trash? Bayern Munich will hold on and win the league this year. So I'm actually going to trash it. Um, I'm going to say that Dortmund's going to overtake Bayern. Um, that's the, the third game back is going to be Dortmund versus Bayern. Uh, that one's going to be quite key. Um, Dortmund had some struggles earlier in the season. They got beat up pretty badly by Bayern in, in Munich in November. They lost 4-0. Um, like that's soccer terminology on my part. Um, and <laughs> Haven't but, heard that word on this yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Dortmund is back, um, as, as was debated in the previous um, segment. Erling Holland has been on fire. And I think that... And he's only been here since January, and since then, Dortmund's been kind of on fire, and I, I think he's going to continue it. I'm a little worried about this break is going to take from his momentum, and as Bart mentioned, allow time for analysis, uh, but I'm confident in the young gun here. Um, I think when they show up to play um, Bayern this time, and they're going to be be at home, um, I think they're going to win, and they have a slightly easier schedule going forward. Uh, I, th- I think they're going to overtake Munich and, and, and take the league. I'm disagreeing. I'm I'm cashing that Bayern Munich's gonna hold on and win, because they have some. They have like basically two warm up games to get back in form before they play <laughs> Dortmund. Uh, they have the best player in Lewandowski. Shout out Poland again. Um, yep. They have at least, <laughs> and they have like I think two games against the bottom three teams. Mm-hmm. They do play a lot of middle tier teams, obviously, but I'm I'm gonna cash that they're gonna hold on. Um, Wyatt, moving on to you and and Bart, but I'm gonna start with Wyatt. The rest of the season will be able to finish without shutting down. So after no prior research, I'm going to go with cash. Um, I have no idea how they're doing this season, but I believe that their season will be able to finish without shutting down. Um, if anybody's going to do it right, it's going to be Bundesliga. Uh, best name in all sports as far as their league is concerned. So yeah. I'm going with cash on that one. Um, I, I'm a little torn on this one. I also think, like, if this were in the States, I would, like, immediately say trash. Um, but because the Germans' stats on the on the um, virus seem to be good, I yeah I, I I'm worried that somebody will get sick again and then they're going to have to cancel it again or at least postpone it. But I think that the Germans seem to be doing a good job of keeping it under control. So I will uh, I will cash that I guess. Um, didn't moving- someone didn't someone get infected? Didn't uh, one team have to cancel their game already? Somewhere somebody in the Bundesliga did. 
Yeah, one of the second division teams. I think okay. the t- Dynamo Dresden had to like cancel one of their games because a couple of their players tested positive. Okay. So. Oh, L. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. No, so, I'm with you, Bart. That so, I feel like they, they, like the Germans, like if they're told to stand however many feet apart or like you know, like not you know, <laughs> be safe about this, like they'll do it. Unlike a lot of the rest of us. Um, so <laughs> I think that and, if anyone has a chance, they have a chance. <laughs> and nobody. You, you don't really touch the ball with your hands that much. Yeah. Like, obviously on throw-ins, but the goalie have gloves. They're using their feet, like, so, you know. You know. Yeah, I mean, sure. yeah. It's just, it's going to be interesting because they're, uh, like, soccer is still obviously like a contact sport to an extent. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. like, you, you wonder whether players will, like, change their mentality at all. Anyways, moving on. Uh, Jared, let's go to you first. Borussia Mönchengladbach. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Hold on, let me, let me try that again. <clears throat> Scrap that. All right. Jared, Jared, moving on to you next. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach will finish in a Champions League spot. Cash or trash? So for context, they're currently fourth in the German League, and that means that you'd have to finish top four. Yes, exactly. That that was one of the things I learned um, this weekend, (laughs) how Champions League spots work. Um, So I'm cashing it. Um, They only play one team in the top three, so they only play one team that's theoretically better than them. It, it, and it's not Bayern Munich, so the team that I think will eventually win. They play two of the bottom three teams, and then they play the team right below them, so they have a chance to separate. So just going off schedule, I'm going to say cash. Wyatt? Um, so again, with uh, zero prior research as far as the Bundesliga, I'm going to go with trash, simply for the what? fact because Jared cashed it. And uh, <laughs> they play one top three team, and I see that as an easy L. Um, if a team is top three and they are fourth, that obviously means that top third team is better than them. Um, I don't see them pulling this one out. I'm sorry, uh, Borussia. Tough. <laughs> tough year. It's going to be a tough year for them going forward, I think. <laughs> and, okay. and book that too. <laughs> oh my. It's going to be a tough year I'm- for them. I was thinking about putting a disclaimer before my first take. Like, this does not even remotely count as a book. But no, I'm just kidding. Anyway. I want all my takes today booked. Because I'm Bundesliga. All right. Um, I don't even know what this means, but this one makes me laugh. Werder Bremen will escape relegation. Lucas, what do you think? <laughs> so, for context, the bottom two teams in the German League uh, get sent down to the second division each year, and the top two teams from the second division get sent up to the first division, and then the third-place team in the second division plays the third-to-last-place team in the first division in a one-game playoff for the last spot, which is kind of some fun drama. Um, and Werder Bremen is currently in second to last place. So they'd have to jump up one spot to get into that one game playoff or two spots um, to just escape safely. Um, so right now they do have, they do have played one less game than all the teams around them. Uh, but I don't think that's going to help. They're four points back. Um, they have four games against the top five teams in their last uh, bit of the season against Bayern Munich, Dortmund, Bayer Leverkusen, and Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, they've been in a tailspin uh, when the season was suspended, losing four and tying one of their last five games. 
And with all that considered, even though they have won a championship relatively recently back in 2004, I think they'll be out of the first division at the end of this year. So I am trashing that they will escape relegation. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna so strongly you disagree with you, Lucas. I am a cash on this. Um, no, I, I am a cash, but uh, yeah, I was going back and forth on this. I, I think that they will escape. Uh, I think Milo Rashika, um, whose name I definitely pronounced correctly, um, he does a solid start for Werder Bremen. He's kind of their star, um, and he he had a solid start this year, but he kind of cooled off in the new year, which uh, coincided with their their bit of a slide that Lucas mentioned. Uh, but I think hopefully this break will get him reset, uh, not combined with the fact that they they do have like an extra game, essentially. Um, and they're only four points back of Fortuna Dusseldorf, who, for, um, as Lucas mentioned, Werder Bremen doesn't have an easy pass, path forward, but neither does Fortuna Duffled, Dusseldorf. <laughs> I really struggle with that name. Uh, <laughs> um, so neither is, has an easy path forward. I think that word of Bremen will pull out in the end. Uh, but I, I look forward to, to tracking this one as a big word of Bremen fan for, for life. Yeah. <laughs> the world's biggest. <laughs> yeah, German was literally actually invented. I don't know if you guys knew this um, to make the pronunciation difficult. So yeah, uh, that was the goal. I've heard that, that as well. So cool. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so after taking the last 20 or so minutes of discussion to think about it while we were talking about some other things, I've finally reached that verdict, and I think I will be declaring in favor of the negative team. While there were some good points presented uh, by Jared and Wyatt about how destructive potential revenue losses could be and how you can maybe make a system work and how there have been um, you know, declining cases as a percentage of overall tests in recent days, I think the negatives really just sort of brought it home with talking about the optics of it, um, how it would look bad, how it might be putting public health at risk, and just uh, serving to sort of pad the wallets of owners, and just the sort of infeasibility of other things that went along with it, like what happens if one player tests positive, it seems like you would just have to shut the whole league or teams down. So ultimately, those ideas convinced me. So, Wyatt, I'll pass it off to you for the end of the show. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of hot booners like it takes to end the end the show today, guys. Um, so yeah, that's really gonna do it for today's show. Uh, if you made it this far, go ahead and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, tell your friends, tweet at us, let us know what songs you would pick for LeBron James' pending Last Dance documentary. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. <laughs>